0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get
1: ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th.
0: 30, 35, 40. Crowder on the jets. He's gonna go all the way. Jamison Crowder. It's intercepted by Mosley. He's gonna score dude, And he's in! Touchdown!
1: CJ And welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Guest Podcast. I, I feel like I've said this the last few times, but it has been a while. We do apologize. Um, you know actions speak louder than words, but we do mean it that we, we are committed to doing weekly episodes. Um, from this point uh, forth, um, I'm your host, Ben Blessington, uh, with Michael Nania. This is the show where we uh, just use analytics and numbers and, and facts and try to talk about everything going on with the Jets. Uh, we do have, uh, we had part one of our Donald series, we recorded part two, I edited it, unfortunately I got really sick, no, not the coronavirus, uh, and then kind of just flaked and, and, and whatnot. So our plan right now is to record this free agency preview uh, podcast, the next week release uh, kind of a recap of, of what happened uh, in free agency for the Jets. If free agency does get delayed, then this could change things. The week after that, we want to release parts 2 and Part 3 of Darnold together and then just have the ensuing so weeks have some draft content and, and whatnot. But, of course, that's subject to change. Um, by the time we're listening to this, there could already be news on, on if the NFL pushes back the start of the league year or whatnot. We don't really know everything, but we do know that free agency at some point We'll commence, so Michael and I figured that we should go in, give uh, uh, our predictions uh, kind of for what we think the Jets will, will try to do in free agency based off of what we've heard on who they're interested in and kind of guys we like in free agency uh, and whatnot. You can follow the show at Pod on Twitter. Um, you can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington on Twitter, and you can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Before we hop into um, our free agency predictions and kind of just breaking that all down, I'll pivot over to Michael because we do have some news on the future of the podcast that might give you some more hope as to why we've been a little bit more inactive in the past uh, few weeks and, and hope for uh, us being active uh, on, on consistent, on a consistent basis. So Michael, I'll, I'll just give the mic over to you.
0: Yeah, so we're going to be moving the podcast over to the Jets X Factor podcast network, the new site that I just launched uh, with Robbie Sabo. It's a uh, subscription-only site. I've been pushing it a lot on Twitter, so if you follow me, you've probably seen a lot of it, and it's really awesome. It's just um really committed to providing just high quality legitimately good Jets content with you know my analytics his film uh, and then now bringing cooler jets over to kind of kick off uh, the podcast network we'll be building there there'll be more podcasts to come you know with me with Robbie and we'll potentially be bringing some other people on as well so we're really building i think the best uh, most comprehensive Jets coverage uh, that there is available anywhere at Jets X Factor and Cool Your Jets is going to be free, even though the site is uh, most of the content there is subscribers only. Cool Your Jets will continue to be free. So we're really excited to bring this over there and it's just one more great asset. And like I said, what I think is the best place to go for Jets coverage.
1: Yeah, I know it, it is kind of exciting. I, I've been looking at, I've followed Robbie for a while on Twitter and he does some great film breakdowns and obviously Michael, uh, you do some great work with the analytics, and uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it um, and, and excited to get this podcast back on a weekly basis because we started out really strong, uh, and our, your numbers were looking great. I was having a great time doing it. Fortunately, we got caught up with, with some stuff, and the Jets sucked and, and whatnot, so we've just we've fallen behind on it. But we, Michael and I, are, are, we had a talk yesterday, and we're both really committed to, to just making this a, a consistent weekly thing. But as I said, actions speak louder than words, so we'll see uh, how we're doing a, you know, a few months from now. Um, but yeah, so let's hop into it with the Jets free agency. Um, obviously the, the most exciting time to be a Jets fan. It seems like the past few years, the free agency and draft again, we're hoping that it doesn't get pushed back since everything's been canceled. We just need something. If everybody's going to be quarantined in their own homes, we need something, uh, to, to be reading about and refreshing Twitter over. Um, and yeah, the Jets will, will have a lot of money to spend. So will a lot of teams, but um, after cuts, the jets should have around 70 million, uh, in, in cap space and they'll have to bring back uh, plenty of guys through, through, you know, resignings and whatnot, but this will be Joe Douglas's first opportunity to really, you know, put his fingerprints all over this roster. We'll find out the type of guys that he wants to bring in. He's talked about guys specifically on the offensive line. He wants guys who are versatile and durable, but in general, he wants guys who love to, to who hate to lose more than they love to win. He wants good guys for the locker room. He wants productive guys, um, and, you know, uh, you know, maybe this is just me being an optimist, but for the first time in a while, I, I really do trust um, the Jets leadership and the, and the direction the franchise is going specifically on the management side. If you're going to look at the coaching, that might be a different discussion. But even if Adam Gase is another he has another bad year uh, this next year, uh, we'll at least know that that hopefully that management will have put us in a better position uh, than we are in this offseason. Uh, but the Jets going to be active in free agency. Uh, and and specifically on that offensive line. Um, so Michael, let's let's hop into it. Let's, we're gonna go position by position here and just talk about you know who, any guys the Jets should resign, look at in free agency, and then potentially who they uh, potentially uh, a spot they could address in the draft. We'll get into more draft-centric stuff in the ensuing weeks, but right now we'll focus on free agency. So let's start with the quarterback position. Uh, you know, while the Jets have their quarterback, hopefully of the future, in Sam Darnold, there is a pretty big gaping hole at that backup quarterback spot, and it's it's a spot that. I haven't read too much about that. I haven't seen many Jets fans talking about the main focus has been on, you know, edge rushers and, and pass protection uh, and corners and whatnot. But as we saw last year, a backup quarterback can really make or break a season. Um, So Michael, uh, your kind of ideal guys, I think that, that, that you could see the Jets signing in free agency for that backup spot. Or do you think that's a, a spot they'll address in the draft?
0: Well, I'm with you. This is a spot that I haven't really paid too much attention to. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Jets fans haven't really uh, been talking about much. But this is two years in a row uh, to start Sam Darnold's career that he's missed uh, a stretch of three games. And hopefully that doesn't continue going forward. But uh, getting your starting quarterback to start all 16 games in the NFL is uh, it's a lot more rare than uh, I think. Uh, a lot of us realize, i I would probably guess that around a quarter to a half somewhere from that range, only that many quarterbacks a year actually end up starting all sixteen games. So it does really uh, come into uh, come into play for most teams. So uh, it is a spot that the Jets are going to have to figure out. And then obviously, uh, this past season,, uh, they paid for not having a good backup quarterback. Trevor Simeon went down, then they had to go to Luke Falk, and they had no chance whatsoever. And of course, we don't know. Uh, if Trevor Simeon did stay healthy, what he would have done the rest of that Browns game, then the next couple of games. But uh, it does help to have depth at quarterback. But an interesting name that you brought up before uh, we started recording this is Nate Sudfeld. And you uh, said that he had this one really good play in the preseason and that sold you on him. So I'm with you as well. <laughs> that's about uh, he, he made one good throw in the preseason a couple of years ago. So I'm sold on him. And he played with the Eagles uh, where Joe Douglas was. So Nate Sudfeld, that's great.
1: Yeah, the, the whole point of the podcast is to have measured takes, and you and Robbie <laughs> in-depth on your analysis. But I saw one good play in a preseason game, a meaningless preseason game, and I'm sold on Nate Sudfeld. No, I mean, I think that Sudfeld makes a lot of sense uh, from a surface level just because he has a connection with Joe Douglas. Yes, he has had some good moments in preseason. And then the only reason the Eagles brought in Josh McCown last year is because Sudfeld got hurt. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, my roommate in college is an Eagles fan, he's a, he, he, and he likes Sudfeld. He thinks he's a solid backup. And, yeah, I, I mean, look— Hopefully with the improvements on the offensive line, we won't see uh, many games without Sam Darnold in the future, although Mono is not really related to that. Um, But specifically in in his first year, that foot injury, some of those hits that Sam Darnold took this past year can be prevented uh, with an improved offensive line. But yeah, backup QB, very important. Nate Subfeld's a guy that I don't think you're going to have to break the bank for. Uh, I think he's kind of a a, a low-risk, high-reward type of backup option. The Jets don't have the luxury of throwing a lot of money at a guy like Marcus Mariota or something like that. I think they they have to stay away from it. It's a, it's a need they have to address, but not a need they can really focus on, and I think Sudfeld kind of makes a lot of sense from that uh, perspective. I also think they'll bring in um, an undrafted guy. Maybe they'll take a late-round flyer in the draft. I know they have had some interest in, in some late-round quarterbacks um, at, you know, you know, according to guys on, on, on Twitter, looking at uh, scouting combines and pro days and whatnot. But I think they'll probably bring in an, another camp arm. And, and if he's impressive, then Nate Sudfeld could get the boot. But I think Sudfeld on the surface makes a lot of sense. Uh, Michael, are there any other guys that, that you think uh, you know, could make any sort of sense at this position? Or, or like you said, this isn't something you, you've thought a lot about. Chase Daniels, another uh, former Eagle who
0: was there. Uh, with Joe Douglas in 2016, uh, they were there at the same time. Actually, the first year that Douglas was there with the Eagles, uh, Chase Daniel, uh, that was his only season with Philadelphia. And, you know, he's not great, his numbers with the Bears the past two seasons. He did put up a 92 passer rating this season, 91 the year before that, but his yards per attempt only 6.8 both of those two seasons and 6.6 for his career, which is uh, well below average. But, you know, he's a backup quarterback, and you don't expect too much from them you just want stability uh, a guy who can give you uh, just a chance to come in understand the playbook and just get the ball out quickly get it into the hands of playmakers and not make too many mistakes and you know chase daniel does kind of fit just that you know perfect just a very typical backup quarterback and there are a lot of those guys on the market you have case keenum who's probably going to be Finally phased out of a starting job after lucking out Minnesota that one year. So you have Case Keenum, uh, Drew Stanton, Colt McCoy, A.J. McCarron, who's going to be in the backup market. Uh, So a lot of classic backup names out there. So you could see the Jets go there. Uh, I could even see a seventh round quarterback draft pick, even though uh, they have Sam Darnold in place. A lot of teams do that. The Patriots have done it a lot. Uh, Just I think the Steelers have done it a few times as well. And yes, they're they've veteran quarterbacks, but I think. Uh, and even the Redskins with uh, in 2012 when they drafted Kirk Cousins after RG3, it, it never hurts to have uh, enough talent at the most important position in the game because you never know what can happen. So I think they'll go to one of those cheap veteran options, maybe uh, maybe Sudfeld, maybe Daniel. Uh, but I, I could also see a seventh round pick. But I would lean towards the, the veteran
1: signing. Right. Um, moving forward to the running back position again, another position that I haven't heard a lot of Jets fans talking about. But a position that the Jets actually do have some holes at outside of Le'Veon Bell, who, you know, by all reports, should be a Jet in 2020. There's nobody else on the roster, um, except I believe uh, Josh Adams might still be on the roster. as, a, as Yeah, a, only know, Josh Adams. As a depth piece uh, at that. But, uh, you know, Adam Gase is, is going to definitely want to bring in somebody who, who fits his offense. Uh, Dion Lewis was a guy who was just released by the Titans. I put out a tweet about it today. I think he would be a, a good fit in Adam Gase's offense. Um uh, but they, as Michael you know, responded to it, uh, they, need a, they need a home run hitter in that, in that backfield. We definitely need a guy with some speed because if the offensive line is bad, you at least want some guy who can blow by uh, the linebackers. Uh, and, and we saw Le'Veon Bell didn't even have a 20-yard rush this season, um, and, and that's mildly concerning, <laughs> to put it lightly as a Jets fan. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is a position where the Jets will obviously stick with Le'Veon Bell, sign a guy in free agency, and then also take a guy— uh, later, uh, in, in the draft, I could see the jets, you know, for that free agent option, bringing back a guy like Powell or Montgomery, and then you know, using that, that fifth or sixth rounder on the running back. Um, despite the fact that Montgomery didn't do much this season, after all the training camp and preseason hype, uh, you know, we did see some of that in training camp preseason. We did see some success. Um, and then it was just, we got to the regular season and he's not a guy who can overcome a bad offensive line, especially if Le'Veon Bell can't overcome that offensive line. So I'll be curious to see if Adam Gase wants to stick with somebody who's been in the system before or if he opts for somebody like Dion Lewis or another free agent uh, running back. Uh, despite that, I do expect the Jets to add somebody late in the draft. Uh, but, Michael, who are some other free agent options that the Jets could consider at that running back position? So
0: I think with the the two backup spots or you know the primary two uh, obviously I have more than that but just the main two backs that you'll probably be carrying each week I think you need uh, similar to last season you need someone who could spell Le'Veon Bell come in for him uh, you know if he's injured if they want to give him a rest someone who ha- kind of has the same skill set as him a guy who can you know catch out of the backfield who can block is more of a methodical patient runner and I think you had that. In Ty Montgomery. So even though he wasn't effective and wasn't used as much as we thought he was, he could be good to bring back at, you know, a very cheap price. He won't demand much of anything. He could be good to bring back uh, to serve that backup role again, because I think you need someone uh, a similar style back to the starter to come in uh, and just be able to run your playbook the same way and just continue uh, if that guy gets injured or if you want to just give him a break. So I think that's key in Montgomery can fill that role. Dion Lewis, could also fill that role. I'm not too high on Dion Lewis, uh, just cause he struck, he did struggle a lot. I think with the Titans the last two years, uh, his rushing efficiency was really poor, even though they had a great offensive line. Uh, he averaged about three and a half yards per carry, which was 38th out of 40 qualified running backs past year. So with them having such a good offensive line, that's not a good sign, but he does have, uh, that Le'Veon Bell kind of skill set that I was just talking about, uh, specializing in some of those things in the passing game uh, that can make him a good backup. But I think the most important thing is that they really need. And you touched on it. uh, Some big playability. Le'Veon Bell, like you said, uh, he didn't even have a 20 yard run this past season. And that's not really his game. It wasn't his game in Pittsburgh. And it's not now he's not going to bust out those 50, 60 yard runs. So the jets really need a guy who could, give them that juice now and then who can, you know, bail out the offensive line. You're not having a good game run blocking, but you just get that one 60, 70 yard run. Uh, and that adds a ton of value that can make up for all the stuffs that you're having constantly throughout a game. So I think it's important that they find a guy who can do that. And, you know, like they had Isaiah Corel a couple years ago, Corell as a starter wasn't good overall, just because he's constantly stuffed uh, throughout the season, but he did provide that big play ability. And, they do need a guy. And I'm not saying they should sign Corral. I'm just using him as an example of uh, the kind of player they should be looking for. But uh, I could, I definitely think they should go after a running back in the later rounds on day three because it's just such a goldmine every single year. Uh, we see so many talented running backs come out uh, and have great rookie seasons, especially later in the draft. And really, you look at the running back. Uh, just their growth curve throughout their careers in the league. It's usually a downward trajectory from the rookie year onward. Uh, It's a position that guys come in and they play well from the start because there isn't too much acclimation needed. And then they just, as they take more and more hits, kind of steadily decline. So if I were the Jets, I would go with the late round pick. I think there's a decent chance they do that, but I could also see them sticking to Montgomery, going for someone like Deion Lewis. Matt Breida fits the description of, a big play free agent who they could go after. So I think those are the two keys. You need someone similar to Bell who can, you know, back him up, provide the same skill set. But the most important thing is finding someone who, who's a home run hitter, like you mentioned.
1: Right. And I think, you know, that home run hitter, uh, they could, you know, address that later in the draft Uh, with that free agent uh, running back. They really got to make sure they focus on a guy who you're confident if Le'Veon Bell goes down, can be that every down type of back. They can't get, trapped into into signing that free agent running back as the home run hitter and that's it uh yeah i think matt Burita though is, is a is a good example as a guy uh that i would be interested with the Jets signing you know blow pal i know he, he's been with the jets uh, his whole career but he's just so consistent and and we saw that he could produce with a bad offensive line i wouldn't be surprised that if the jets were to just go with the cheaper option bring back blow pal and then as i said address that home run hitting uh in the draft because you're confident that if bell goes down, Powell can be a guy that can come in and get you, you know, four to five yards uh, per carry. Uh, all right. for well, the next position, this is where it starts to get interesting. This is where we've heard a lot of jets fans talk about, and that's the receiver position. Obviously this offense uh, or this offseason, excuse me, is focused on surrounding Sam Darnold with talent, not just up front, but in that receiving group. Uh, and that starts with his favorite receiver so far, maybe second favorite. If you're going to count Jamison Crowder, but Robbie Anderson, who clearly has a connection with Sam Darnold has exactly what Adam Gase is looking for in that speed, uh, has exactly what Joe Douglas is looking for. We talked about bringing in explosive playmakers. Robbie Anderson seems to fit all of that, except he's a free agent, and as free agents do, he's probably going to get overpaid this offseason. So the Jets are are trying to hold firm at a number. Connor Hughes was talking about that if the Jets want to bring him back, if it's in that ten million to $12 million range, they'll do it. But if it, if they get in a bidding war with the team and it starts to get him to that $14 million, $15 million a year, It's just it might be a luxury that the Jets can't afford uh, for a guy who hasn't had a single thousand yard receiving, albeit that you could blame that on the quarterback play or offensive line play. He's a guy that on the second half of the season in a contract year, we did see him start to round out a lot more skills. You know, early on in his career, he was looked at as as just a one trick pony. But we saw him make, you know, more contested catches, uh, run a a wide variety of, of different routes that we hadn't really seen from Robbie in 2017 or 2018. He's a guy that obviously I want back and is familiar with the system uh, and and is familiar with Sam Darnold. But as I said, if they get in a bidding war, I do think it's smart of Douglas to not just throw blind money at him because, you know, while Jets fans love him, there is a uh, there is a possibility that the Jets pay him, you know, $14, $15 million a year and then he gets injured or he doesn't produce like he did. And you can't forget, you know, he did have some trouble with the law early in his career, although I do believe Robbie has grown from those incidents Uh I agree with Joe Douglas though. If, they, if you can get him back for 11, 12 million dollars a year, I think you do it, especially with the new CBA impending salary cap is going to go up. But if you get in a bidding war with a team that is really just feels like they're, they're one explosive deep threat away from, from competing and they're willing to throw 15 million a year at Robbie Anderson because they don't really care if, if that's all he can do because it's such a valuable skill. Uh, then I, I think it could be wise for the jets, uh, to not at this point of where they are as a franchise to not chase him and throw that much money at him. Um, As far as potential guys, though, if they lose Robbie Anderson that they could pivot to, um, Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that has had experience in Adam Gase's offense. Uh, He did thrive with Adam Gase, and he had a great year last year with the San Francisco Niners. He is 33 years old, though, so if you want to go with a younger option, Brashad Perriman is a guy that I know a lot of people on Twitter really like. Um, because he has size and speed, um, he's been on four different teams though in his early NFL career. He's only 26 because he's kind of bounced around. Was viewed as a viewed as a bust, even though he, as a bust, excuse me, even though he's a big guy who can run sub four three. Um, but really, this last year with the Bucks, we saw him start to flourish and had multiple 100 yard receiving games in a row. Had multiple games with touchdowns, and we kind of started to see the flashes of Brashad Perriman that, that people expected earlier on in his career. Um, but he's a guy that, yeah, if you lose out in Robbie Anderson, I think you pivot to him immediately. Uh, Philip Dorsett is another guy from the new England Patriots. Who's not as flashy. He's 27 years old, but he's had some solid years with the Patriots. Um, and he's a guy that y- you can get for cheap. Uh, and then could be a guy that in November, December, makes some plays where you're like, that was a really good free agent signing. Um, that, that kind of went under the radar, but Michael, who are some guys that if the Jets do lose out in Robbie Anderson, you'd consider. And then, uh, after you answer that what do you think about the whole Robbie Anderson conundrum? Do you think the Jets should keep pursuing him? What is the line for you? What do you think will happen? And, and what would you do?
0: The the toughest part with Robbie Anderson is the way you would replace him uh, you know, if they don't bring him back. Because you look at the wide receiver market and it's really thin. There's a reason he is going to get paid as much as he is. And it's because they're Because he's right up there with the best names out there, you have Amari Cooper, you have A.J. Green. You know, if Green does, shake free of the franchise tag. But you have Cooper, you have Sanders, Uh, and then Robbie Anderson is right up there uh, with some of the best names. So especially on the outside, there are some decent slot options. But outside, he's really up there uh, with some of the best options available. So that's the biggest thing for me, because I agree that. The Jets should stay firm at probably 12 million max. Makes sense for him as a number two guy, an elite deep threat, a guy who's improved his all around game, his red zone production uh, since Sam Darnold came in. He's got four touchdowns from within five yards of the goal line within his past 20 games after having none in his first 42. So that's just a sign of how he's been able to improve his overall game, have that chemistry with Sam Darnold. You could his production uh, in games where his quarterback one has been healthy, McCown 2017, Darnold past two years. Uh, he's been on pace for close to a thousand yards and eight touchdowns over 16 games. So I think that with a good offensive line, uh, you know, with a healthy Sam Darnold, Robbie Anderson could really put up, you know, a thousand yards and eight touchdowns a season and be very much worth about, you know, $50 million a year. But at the same time, there are so many little things he does struggle with. He's not after the catch threat, his route running is still shaky even though he's capable of producing on more routes there are still little nuances that he does struggle with and Sabo broke that down really good on JetX. did a good video about that some of the little tiny things that he struggles with that hurt the offense more than you would realize watching it live but uh, it's such a complicated situation because of how they would replace him you don't want to pigeonhole yourself in the draft uh, they have to focus on offensive line both in free agency and in the draft and it is a deep wide receiver class but You know, once again, it's just you don't want to go into the draft thinking you have to fill a starting position there. Uh, And then if you don't sign him, there are just very fleeting options there. And obviously they don't have anything exciting at outside receiver on the roster either. So uh, I think that I think 12 million definitely makes sense as a ceiling for him. And uh, anything above that is probably pushing it a little bit. But at the same time, I'm just personally a bigger fan of Robbie Anderson than I think. Most are, so I would be willing to go a little bit higher for him. I think that you know, from what I've seen just from his production, when things have been clicking because you know just having a bad offensive line, having three different quarterbacks, that really hurts a deep receiver. If you don't have time, uh, the quarterback doesn't have time uh, to have these deep drops, let these uh, long developing plays kind of work themselves out. You're not going to be able to you know have the make the catches like he made against Detroit last year against Denver, those deep bomb. Uh, nine routes that he excels at it's so hard to do that if you have arguably the worst offensive line in the league so i think he's really been hurt by that and put up pretty decent numbers in spite of them so i'm a pretty big fan of anderson i would uh, i think i'm more in favor of going a little bit above that number of 12 million and i think most people are i i would push towards that 13 14 but there are definitely reasons to be concerned about if you go into that number
1: Right. I think he's definitely a guy that I would bet on being successful. And I, I have that bad feeling that if he goes somewhere else, you know, to a playoff team or whatever, I know he was talking about dreaming of playing with Tom Brady, that would be just an absolute nightmare to see him with the Patriots. But he's just a guy that I could totally see, um, going elsewhere, a place with a good offensive line and a solid quarterback, a, a guy, a quarterback that can get it, get him the ball deep down the field because he has time in the pocket. And then you're seeing Robbie Anderson as a pro bowl receiver. He's a guy that I think we've seen enough lashes to make that jump, that it's not crazy enough to think that Robbie Anderson could be a really good receiver um, in this league. I, I, I agree with you. And especially with the deep receiver class, um, I'm hoping that, that a lot of teams won't get into that bidding war and that the Jets could get him for 12 or $13 million a year. If they don't bring back Robbie, I think you're looking at at a situation where I would pivot immediately and say, okay, let's take that money. We'll throw it at Brashad Perryman for a cheaper deal, and then maybe a guy like Devin Funches. So then you then you can at least go into the draft saying, okay, our starting trio right now is 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 Funches, who's our kind of our big possession guy, Perriman, who's going to replace that Anderson speed roll, Crowder, and then you can go into the draft and saying, okay, we're going to address receiver in the second round, um, for sure, and then maybe that third or the fourth round or whatever. Um, just trying to surround Sam Darnold with weapons because if you if if Anderson goes elsewhere, I think you. You, I, I would probably sign two free agent wide receivers and then draft two guys. I, I, I don't think you can go uh, overboard with this because if those receivers start going down, I don't want to see Sam Darnold throwing to, you know, those Andre Roberts, you know, Deontay Burnett type of receivers that we saw in his rookie year and then towards the end uh, of this year. Um, obviously, Demaryius Thomas did a solid job, but he was a guy that the Jets traded for in September. We don't need that situation again. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think the Jets need to to bring in a, a speed guy. Uh, I, I would actually go, I think the Jets need to bring in two speed explosive guys. One of those guys can be Anderson. Uh, but if it's not, I think the Jets need to bring two big speed explosion home run hitters. And then the Jets need to bring in one, at least one, possession jump ball type receiver because given Sam Darnold's play style and the way that he likes to extend plays and, and throw it up, he'll get it to you. He'll get it to you in catch in traffic. You're just going to have to make the tough catch. You're going to have to go up and get it. He really kind of needs a guy that he can, he can make those impromptu plays throwing up jump ball type of uh, type of plays. Um, and Michael Pittman, a, a receiver that he he's uh, had experience with at USC is a guy that could look at in the draft T Higgins, maybe another guy in the second round. Um, but that's more draft talk. But I think that's, if you, if you don't, bring back Robbie, I think maybe you can turn it to a guy like Devin Funches to, to, to fulfill that role. Uh, and then again, look in the draft and free agency to bring in those explosive playmakers. But I'm with you. I I think if the money's close, I I go with Robbie Anderson all day, any day has experience with the system has experience with Sam and uh, targets a perfect need. All right, so the next position we'll look at, and, and we'll, we'll speed this up to get to, to the more important positions for the Jets in free agency. Uh, tight end, look, the Jets already have the two guys that, that, the, that will be their starters next year in Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin. But, Michael, this is a position that, that you really think the Jets should target in the offseason um, into blocking tight end. We know Adam Gase wanted Darren Fellows last year. Uh, instead, he got Trevon Wesco in the draft. He didn't necessarily pan out. The Jets could just roll the dice and keep it as they have with the tight ends because they have so many other holes and just hope Wesco develops into that blocker. But, Michael, what are your thoughts on the, the tight end position, specifically the, the blocking tight end?
0: Yeah, so on the on the top, you're good. With Chris Herndon and Ryan Griffin, that is a, you know, top, maybe top five caliber receiving tight end duo because Griffin is, I think, an average receiver. If you could have that as your number two Next to Chris Herndon, the guy who played like a top 10 receiving tight end in his rookie season. If Herndon can, even if he's just the same levels he was as a rookie, that'd be great. Darnold misses, like you were just talking about the receivers having that jump ball guy scrambling target. Herndon really can be that, and he was. Uh, at the end of 2018, so uh, that is a great duo as uh, in terms of the receiving game, but as blockers, Herndon is pretty average, and Griffin this past season was, uh, I think, a lot more destructive in the run game than most people uh, kind of realize He was responsible for a lot of stuffs in the run game. Daniel Brown, who they also brought back, I don't know why, he's decent on special teams, but He's also pretty bad as a blocker and Wesco is the wild card really as a run blocker down the stretch. He was near the top of the league and run blocking grade among tight ends uh, down the stretch of the season had a lot of really good blocks in Baltimore, but uh, he did really struggle in pass protection. So overall, those three guys, Brown, Griffin, Wesco really struggled as blockers. I think hurt them a lot. So uh, they are banking on Wesco to make that (laughs) progression and they are banking on Wesco to make that progression. And, Uh, He did take some steps towards the end of the season, but I do think they should bring in a veteran uh, just to compete with him because, uh, As with anything, you don't want to bank on progression. Uh, You want to make sure you have some security, some competition. So to bring in someone uh, to at least push Wesco, compete with him, a veteran like Levine Toilolo, Blake Bell, those are a couple of the best options uh, just to kind of ensure that you're getting that improvement at blocking tight end. But Wesco did show potential down the stretch. I don't want to completely throw him under the bus because even though he struggled overall, uh, he showed some upside. But I think blocking tight end is a much bigger need than a lot of people and was a much bigger weakness in 2019. Than most people I've kind of realized.
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. And, and it'll help Sam and it'll help Le'Veon. And it kind of goes hand in hand with that offensive line because it's it's almost a six offensive line starter um, that just also plays receiver. Um, speaking of the offensive line, that's definitely uh, where the Jets need to spend their most time the offseason. Joe Douglas, a former offensive lineman, is going to attack this to protect Sam Darnold. Michael and I were talking about this before the show. Uh, you look at the teams with the best offensive lines. Those teams are normally playoff teams. There aren't many in the history of the NFL bad teams with great offensive lines. And Joe Douglas knows this. He knows that this is where to start. And you even look at the Jets' team history, 2009, 2010, terrific offensive lines. And then 2011, you look at Wayne Hunter and, and uh, Nick Mangle went down for a few games. The offensive line got worse. The Jets went 8-8. Eight and eight. Mark Sanchez regressed. The running game regressed. Rex Ryan's fired a few years later. There's a direct correlation between, uh, in my opinion, offensive line success and team success. And Joe Douglas knows that. Um, so, and he knows he's going to have to target in for agency. Obviously there are the big names and Joe Tooney. Um, he's a guy who's going to get a lot of money. Another guy, uh, that I think the jets will, will, look at is Graham Glasgow. As far as what I think they should do, uh, I think they're going to get creative here. Uh, I think they will go with Glasgow, uh, uh, as, as they're kind of their big ticket free agent. I think that'll be, uh, especially in the office, offensive side of the ball, that'll be the guy that they're going to throw $14, dollars million a year at. He's exactly what Joe Douglas was talking about. He's durable and he's versatile. He can play center, left guard, right guard. You can move him around, and it just frees you up for what they can do in the draft. So I think they're going to bring in Graham Glasgow, uh, or they're going to go hard after him. Uh, another guy that, that I uh, that I definitely think the Jets will sign because he kind of is perfect for what the Jets are looking for at that right tackle spot is Halepulai, uh Vitae. I hope I got that uh, pronunciation right. The swing tackle from the Eagles, you might recognize him because he started uh, down the stretch for the Eagles' playoff run in Super Bowl uh, uh, when he was their starting left tackle in the Super Bowl. So he has some experience. He obviously has some experience with Douglas, but he's a guy that you can sign. He might get more than, than you're expecting. He could get, you know, 8 to million a year, but she's a guy you can sign. You put him at right tackle. Chuma Doga is his backup. And let's say Chuma Doga, you know, plays better than we think he does. And and he's a guy that can start in the future. Like we've heard Connor Hughes has talked about how the Jets coaching staff likes him. Uh, Vitae is a guy who can slide in and play at guard. Uh, so he has that versatility aspect. He has a familiarity with Douglas and he's not a guy like Jack Conklin that you're going to throw 18 to $20 million at and break the bank for, uh, and, and kind of show Chuma Doga that you don't have any faith in them. You bring in Vitai; he's a guy that can hold down that tackle spot, but if Adoga or the guy they st- they, they bring in uh, in the draft, at, presumably at number 11, can play right tackle, Vitai can slide inside. So he's kind of the perfect, uh, him and Glasgow are kind of the perfect free agents for what Douglas is looking for, as just durable and versatile guys. Uh, and then I think they're going to look at bringing in two of the uh, tier B type of offensive line free agents. I could see them bringing back Kelvin Beachum. Um, I could see them this isn't necessarily tier B. I could see them going and signing Jason Peters, but this is tier B in the sense that he would be on a one-year deal. He's 38 years old. He's injury prone. He has some issues with penalties, but his blocking grades are fantastic. And he's a guy you can bring in and have start over a rookie. Um, and just brings you a lot of flexibility for what to do in the draft. And then, yeah, as far as that second tier B guy, I think that's a guy in the interior, uh, whether at, probably a, a guard. Uh, I know Quentin Spain was a guy who just got re-signed by the Bills, but he's kind of in that group of, of uh, Greg Van Roten is another guy. I grew up a dire Jets fan, so I'm kind of a partial to him as another guy that could bring in uh, and, and, and so solidify the, the interior offensive line. And then in the draft, they'll presumably take a tackle at 11 and then another interior offensive lineman, Uh, in the the, the middle rounds. Michael, what are your thoughts on the offensive line position and and what guys they should target and guys you think they will target?
0: Yeah, there's no doubt this is the number one uh, position group of need for this team. And there's no doubt they're definitely going to be emphasizing. It It seems like with all the rumors and kind of chatter that we've been hearing or, you know, seeing on Twitter and uh, throughout everything that's been going on so far that they're definitely going to be emphasizing it the way that they should be. So I I think it's all going to start with a tier one option, whether that is uh, Conklin at right tackle or Tooney at guard or Glasgow. I think it's going to start with one of those three guys. And I think it's pretty obvious the order you put those three in, in, in terms of, uh, how valuable they all are. Tooney is number one. He's a legit superstar left guard. So if they could sign him, uh, what he can do, and and he's in good in all facets, but what he's able to do as a pass protector, uh, just hold up for long periods of time, like he did for so long for Tom Brady. Uh, Joe Blewett on Twitter did a great film breakdown of him. Uh, if they can get Tooney, that would be a huge Game changer, but Glasgow brings you that versatility. He's not quite as good as Tooney, but he is a very good player. He has equal experience starting throughout his four year career, playing at left guard, center, and right guard. So you could put him anywhere, go into the draft, with that flexibility. But Conklin at right tackle is the interesting question because conklin is an upgrade for them for sure he's above average he's a solid starter you know decent durability throughout his career he started all 16 games three of his four seasons and his grades are generally pretty good but he's just not quite the game changer that you're hoping to get you know either a dominant run blocker or a pristine pass protector he's not really either one of those things uh so you're not really getting the game changing impact that you would hope to get out of a guy at his price tag. So uh, I think Conklin is a guy they should be wary of, but I could totally see them going after him. But then from there, you hopefully get a tackle at number 11 who starts – at either side, I agree with you. Jason Peters makes a lot of sense. He's still very good. Uh, you pick him up for one year, and he could, you know, help this team out this year as you know they're still trying to maximize Darnold's rookie deal. But he also gives you that flexibility to kind of, you know, either groom your rookie tackle, give Chuma Idoga some time, uh, put that rookie tackle at either side next season, and not be pigeonholed to the left if you sign Conklin, uh, because you'll be putting Conklin at, at on the right side if you do sign him. So. I think there's a lot of positive with Peters, but you know it starts with that tier A guy. Are they going to get Tooney, Glasgow, or Conklin? I think Peters makes sense for the other tackle spot, but they're going to have to find a placeholder or two inside. You could re-sign Alex Lewis who or Brian, or stick with Brian Winters, uh, although I think cutting Winters for the space that he opens up makes a lot of sense. And Lewis isn't very good, He's and he's also injury-prone as well, but they're going to, ha- they're not going to be able to fix it all in one off season. So, uh, to get some continuity, a guy who Douglas is confident in, uh, with Lewis definitely makes some sense, but the biggest things are, uh, how they make that pick at number 11, uh, making sure they hit that one out of the park. Jedrick Wills is my favorite, but him, Thomas Beckton, or Worfs all work in that spot. Uh, and then the number one, uh, free agent that they get best case scenario, Tooney Glasgow also works. Uh, and then Conklin is an upgrade, but then you're, he could be really questionable with uh, the value on the deal that he'll command.
1: Yeah, I definitely would stay away from Conklin. Uh, I, he's a great run blocker, but there are some concerns in, in pass blocking. He's not as versatile as, as, Joe Douglas would like. He has had some durability issues. Uh, he's been fine, but he has torn his ACL and has, has had a few concussions and then, yeah, you're going to pay 18 to $20 million um, for a position that you, you used a third rounder on last year, although it wasn't Douglas. It is still something to, to consider. Um, so, and and by the way, on the Jedrick Wills point, you know, you talked to us a month ago, it seemed very unlikely that he could make it there to 11, but with the rise of Tristan Wirfs and, you know, other players, there is a, there is a possibility that, that Wills could make it to the Jets at 11. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily rule it out, Michael. I, I could see the Jets locking into him. Uh, at right tackle, let's pause here before we go to the defense, let's go ahead and give our official predictions. You kind of run down the positions, things that could go, but let's, let's take a moment and say, okay, here's what I think they're going to do, uh, for the offensive side of the foot. I'll start, give you some time. Uh, yeah, the quarterback, I think they're going to go with Nate Sudfeld. I think he just makes a lot of sense at running back. I don't think they'll bring in another, uh, free agent running back. Instead. I think they're going to opt to go with Bilal Powell. Um, uh, just because he has familiarity in the scheme, and they don't really have the money to be spending uh, again on another running back, considering how much you're paying Le'Veon Bell per year. At receiver, I do ultimately think, maybe this is the optimist to me, that Robbie Anderson returns. We've kind of outlined the options if he doesn't, but I think he does return. And then as far as the offensive line goes, now this is a lot of money to throw up the position, the 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 mock that I that I've drawn up right now. This is probably the most money that I could see the Jets spending, but this would be left tackle. You go ahead and pay Jason Peters to be that one year stopgap, but a guy you stopgap, but a guy you know is going to produce at a high level. Then uh, at left tackle, then at left guard, I think yeah, with you, I think you re-sign Alex Lewis. Uh, I think you'll, they'll restructure Brian Winters and try to bring him in, just keep him as a death piece. At center, I think Graham Glasgow is the guy that they're going to pay. Um, because he can move at guard and center, but he's a guy that you're confident at at center um, will be very helpful to Sam and and Le'Veon. Um, then at that right guard position, I think that's another guy they'll bring in a free agent that is that tier B. Greg Van Roten isn't necessarily tier B because he could be a guy that makes you know eight to ten million a year. But I, I my prediction, I'm saying they're going to bring him in. And then at right tackle, I have Halipule. Vitae. Again, I've probably butchered his name three different times. You've practicing it's, it for like five minutes before this. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like I had Halapuli
0: Halep, yeah. Vitae. I okay, think that's I'm, it. I,
1: if he becomes a Jet, I'll learn his name. Um, but that's kind of my my free agent prediction for, for the Jets offense. Um, that, off, that that offensive line, there's a lot of money in there because Peters is a guy that's probably going to make 8 to 10 million. Lewis is a guy that's probably going to make 5 to seven million. Glasgow is a guy that's going to make 12 to 15 million Van Roten is a guy that's going to make 8 to 10 million and Vita is a guy that's going to make 8 to 10 million. So, I could see replacing Van Roten uh with another depth piece or if they miss out on Glasgow then I think all those guys will be in uh, in uh consideration uh or they could go opt to not bring in Peters uh and just instead sign Kelvin Beachum, because I think that'll be cheaper and he has experience. But right now, I think Joe Douglas will invest a lot of money into the offensive line. That's my my official prediction for the offense side of the ball. Maybe a little Maybe a little too egregious, but Michael, what do you think? What are, you, what are your predictions?
0: Yeah, with the offensive lines, just there's so many different ways they could go with it. But for my ideal O-line, this is my not my prediction, just how I would hope ideally craft it in a perfect world, which we do not live in, obviously, right now. But. Uh, <laughs> At left tackle, I would go with Peters. I think there's a lot of flexibility he affords you. And uh, just this year, I think if he plays the same way he has the past few years, he's still an elite player. Uh, So Peters, a left tackle, Tooney, a left guard. I think that is a amazing left side right there Uh, at center. I would draft someone in the third round. Uh, At right guard, I think, like you said, getting a tier B option would be a big win there. I think Eric Flowers is an underrated option. He played really well after switching to guard for the Redskins this season, Uh, especially down the stretch. He was actually one of the top, I believe, top 15 graded guards over the second half. So grades aren't everything, but that is definitely something uh, to look at there with him. So I think Flowers, uh, I'll put Flowers at right guard. Uh, So I said a rookie at center and then you get Jedrick Wills at right tackle. That'd be my ideal. I I just love Jedrick Wills so much. I think he's going to be a guaranteed very good starter for a long time. So that'd be my ideal. But if I'm, we're going to go with the prediction, uh, I would, uh, do I think Helvin Beecham's going to come back? He had some, he posted some anti-gays tweets, I think a while ago. So that's why I've kind of been not feeling like he's (laughs) going to come back, uh, I'll go with Jason Peters because of the Douglas connection at left tackle. Left guard Lewis, uh, I think at center. I think Glasgow will play either center or right guard, depending on. Uh, they could draft someone in on day two, and then you have Glasgow who could play either spot there. And uh, then the rookie at right tackle. Hopefully my guy Jedrick Wills, but I'll take any of those top four.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think, you know, I'm having him sign essentially five offensive linemen. I think it'll probably be more like four. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. It's versatility is key for the jets because it wasn't just the starting five that sucked. It was the depth piece. And you know, you're going to lose a lot of these guys, especially if you're bringing a guy like Jason Peters, he's not going to play 16 games for you. So it's just about finding the guys that, that can move around and, and fill spots. So that's our offensive, uh, free agent, uh, predictions. Let's go ahead uh, and hop into the defensive side of things. We'll go position by position and then end it with the predictions and then we'll get out of here. Start of the, but I think there are less holes in the defensive side of the football, so it should be a, a bit shorter. Starting with the defensive line, I don't think much happens here. I could see the Jets adding another um, defensive end into the mix here. Uh, you've already re-signed Steve McClendon. Full Aronzo Fatacosti was awesome last year. Uh, Quentin Williams will start at defensive end this year and and hoping that he can take that next leap. It would be absolutely huge for the Jets if he could just even reach scratch his potential a little bit and just become uh, a guy who can get five sacks and and really disrupt the run game. Uh, I think I believe Henry Anderson will return. Uh, at that other defensive end position, and then you have guys like uh, Nathan Shepard as depth pieces. I could see the Jets throwing a six-rounder or maybe a, a, a depth guy in free agent on uh, the defensive line. But right now, I'm going to say they they ignore it in free agency and just stick with the group they have who really uh, perform well under Greg Williams.
0: Yeah, there's not much to talk about the defensive line. And it seems like for the uh, millionth year in a row, we're talking about, oh, the defensive line set. and But, you know, it really is. It's not as... Easy to find as I think we as Jets fans think it is just because this team has been, uh, you know, really good at finding defensive linemen over the past decade. And if they were as good as uh, finding talent at this position as at any other position, uh, because they really have been. Good at developing anything else, then you know they'd be a good football team. But they are legitimately good at finding defensive linemen, or they have been uh, at least under the past few GMs. So uh, they did a great job last season. You know, you have Shepard, who's a really good pass rusher, uh, McClendon, who's just an all-around force even into his 30s, Foley, who's a great run defender, and Quinton Williams, who, like you said, if he could break out, reach his potential, it would add so much, especially in the passing game. But he's at least already a good run defender. And no, that's not good value at all for the third pick, but. Uh, I am confident he is going to uh, have that breakout this season, kind of like Jamal Adams did. He had an iffy rookie season, but he showed you that potential. And then the next season, he kind of broke out, especially in the passing game. And I think I could see Quinnen doing the same thing. So, but they're all set at defensive line. There's not a ton to talk about there. And Henry Anderson, I think, ideally if they could get some more talent on the edge, which we're going to talk about, uh, that would move him back inside where he can add uh, that pass rushing value that he had uh, in 2018, when he was one of the top 15 pass rushers among interior D-line, he wasn't a fit on the edge. He did good in the run game, but as a pass rusher, did not do much of anything last year. So hopefully they can get some edge talent to push Henry Anderson back inside. But there's not a ton to do here. They got depth. They got starting talent. They're all set there.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Let's hop to the linebacker position. First, we'll start with the inside linebackers. A lot of people think the Jets should cut uh, Avery Williamson, and it's still a possibility He is a guy that that they could free up $6 million with uh, with cutting. Uh, But you have to remember that you're going to have to fill that other side. A lot of guys would point to, well, you know, James Burgess, Neville Hewitt, and Blake Cashman did a a fine job. Michael would disagree with that to an extent yeah depth.
0: this is my topic right here
1: <laughs> you know what you, you <laughs> could just take the mic at this point honestly
0: I'm, I'm gonna take it so here's here's my whole take on this I've written a few articles on it but I just think a lot of people or, or pretty much uh anyone who's been praising Burgess or Hewitt I think they're just really overrating the way those two guys played and there are a lot of advanced numbers in support of that both of those two guys Burgess and Hewitt they're missed tackle numbers they're both top 15 worst Uh, Missed tackle rate among linebackers and coverage. They're both near the bottom there. Uh, Their run defense wasn't even necessarily as good as it seemed, because I think this defensive line just did such a good job uh, creating space for these guys. Steve McClendon, especially Nathan Shepard, even though he didn't make a ton of plays himself. He just absorbed so many blocks. Quinn and Williams did as well. Foley Fadakasi. All these guys just made it so easy for them to make plays James Burgess and Neville Hewitt and yet they still missed a lot of tackles uh, at a very high rate so I would love to have either of those two guys back as depth. Uh, Hewitt is a very good blitzer he's put up good pressure numbers in his career he's a good special teamer Uh, and Burgess is able to even though he's not a great tackler he's just good at uh, you know what he did last year taking advantage of the defensive line and just shooting gaps and finishing in the backfield he can do that but I think Avery well, CJ Mosley's a shoe in. He's a superstar. Uh, if he's healthy, he's gonna change a lot on this defense in the past game and the run game. But Avery Williamson, I think, is just such an underrated player, or at least is now after you know not seeing him for the whole season. But he's an elite run defender, such a great tackler. He finishes at elite percentages year after year uh, with his tackling, does not miss a lot of tackles. Uh, and just overall in the run game, even aside from just his tackling efficiency, he just plays his role so well. Reads blocks, doesn't overshoot gaps, keeps the play in fr- uh, keeps the play in front of him, and really does a good job of preventing big plays. He's consistently just across the board elite in run defense and in coverage. I think he's he makes up for it by, you know, bringing average coverage. And I think uh, Burgess and Hewitt do not do that. I think they're very bad in coverage, but he, he, Williamson, I think is average in coverage. And, you know, it doesn't seem like that because when he's targeted and the numbers back it up, when he's targeted, he gives up pretty big numbers. I think he gave up about 10 yards per target with the Jets in 2018, which is awful. I think he gave up three touchdowns, no interception. So those numbers are bad, but what he does so well is, especially in zone coverage, he just is able to position himself well and read plays and just prevent targets in his direction. So uh, I think he's averaging coverage because, you know, he can't cover man-to-man, but he's a smart player who limits targets and, you know, forces the quarterback to continue reading uh, from one read to the next by the pass rush extra time. So I think he balances that out and is averaging coverage. So I just think Avery Williamson is a really underrated player if the Jets do believe he's the same physically and there isn't a a high likelihood of him declining because of his ACL injury, then it makes all the sense in the world to just uh, stick with him. And then, you know, after the season, I believe he's a free agent. You can move on from him at that point, but I just think there's a big downgrade from Williamson to Hewitt and Burgess. So I'm a huge Avery fan. I think, Burgess and Hewitt are kind of overrated after this past season you know a lot of people said you know no they still played the defense was still good without Williamson and you know with those two guys in there but you know it wasn't the best defense in the league they were uh, 10th in DVOA so uh, they could have been a lot better and I think that those uh the linebacker spot is one of the reasons they were not one of the best defenses in the league so I am all in favor of sticking with Avery Williamson
1: yeah I think a lot of this has to do with uh I mean, obviously, Joe Douglas has plans in free agency because Williamson will free up six. But you have to remember, you know, you cut Avery Williamson and he frees up six million. Well, then you're probably pivoting to bringing back Neville Hewitt. And he's right. Like some
0: of those savings have to go to one of those guys to bring them back.
1: Yeah, he's probably going to cost four million. And then it's like, well, you save two million on a a guy that I would probably argue Avery Williamson is worth more than two million uh, when you compare him to to Neville Hewitt. Maybe they have a lot of faith in Blake Cashman. I think the other thing that has a lot to do with, though, uh, is Greg Williams scheme because he is a guy that, throughout his, his history as a defensive coordinator. He's run a four, three scheme. He came here and talked about how he'll run a, uh, you know, obviously he runs a hybrid. Nobody runs a strictly four, three, three, four. The Jets ran both looks last year, but predominantly and predominantly out of the nickel or whatever. But if he wants to, to, if he's communicated to Joe Douglas that he wants to run more four three and bring in four three defensive ends and four three outside linebackers, I could see the Jets cutting Avery Williamson to bring in uh, a four, more of a four three outside linebacker type of guy. Um, because I mean, maybe Williamson could play that role, um, but I think Williamson's probably best suited as a three four inside linebacker. If, assuming they stay in the three four inside, uh, the, assuming they stay predominantly in the three four, I agree with you. I think you just keep. I think you keep Williamson. I think you keep Mosley. Uh, you. I think you bring back Burgess on a tender, uh, and then you have Cashman. I think you let Hewitt walk. Although he had a a solid year, I think he'll get uh, a nice you know paycheck uh, in free agency, despite your your numbers not backing it up. As far as the edge rusher outside linebackers go, uh, obviously a guy the Jets have to consider whether or not they they let walk or they bring back is Jordan Jenkins. In my opinion, I think you let him walk. Um, I just don't think he wins enough one on ones, and I think as with most free agents, he's going to get overpaid. He's a guy that might get eight to ten million a year, and I don't know if he's an eight to ten million type of player for the Jets. Um, where the Jets are as, as a as an organization right now, the outside linebackers they need they need guys that can rush the passer. They need they have holes all over the place. Um, as I was saying to Michael before we started the show. I think Jordan Jenkins is a perfect example of if the Jets were a great team, they won't get the comp pick because of how many guys they'll sign in free agency. But if the Jets were a great team, he's a guy you let walk and you take the comp pick because he's a solid player, but he's probably not worth the money that he's going to get in free agency. And you'd just rather get the pick back from the next year. As I said, that probably won't work out with how the Jets will operate in free agency this year. But still, I don't think you overpay Jordan Jenkins. If you do pay him, I think you go short-term deal. I think you go one or two years because – I don't think he's a long-term guy. You, you lock down. He, although he's good in the locker room, he's good against the run. Um, you know, obviously Greg Williams might love him, and, and that could be a reason he comes back. But I would take that money that you throw at Jordan Jenkins. Go throw it at a guy like Dante Fowler if he if he shakes free. Get a true pass rusher, and then trust the guys that, that have played. Um, you know, on, on your roster, like Terrell Basham, who who really came on towards the end of last year, I really like him, uh, Brandon Copeland, and then you draft a guy in the fourth or fifth. And I think that would be a, a lot better than overpaying for Jordan Jenkins and then doing the exact same thing. I think you bring in a guy like Fowler and spend the extra, you know, six to seven million that it would cost um, rather than, you know, spending, uh, you know, flat out just $8 million to $10 million on Jordan Jenkins. But Michael, what are your thoughts on the edge rusher position? I mentioned Dante Fowler as a guy that I think the Jets should target. Um, he makes a lot of sense, uh, but, and I, I certainly expect the Jets to target edge rusher and free agency. So, first, your thoughts on Jordan Jenkins. And then, second, uh, your thoughts on, on edge rushers the Jets should target and you think should, uh, will target. I totally agree with you on Jenkins. He's just
0: not a good enough player. Uh, the at the edge that this is has to be the second priority for the jets against the offensive line, you know, cause that, and it's not just the edge, you know, it's pass rush overall interior and the edge edge is just where most of the pass rush comes from. Cause there are generally more pass rushers there, but it's just pressure overall and defense. And this is what the jets have been lacking for so long. You look at their edge rushers, uh, throughout the 2010s decade and how bad it's been. Basham led them in pressures this past season with 39. That ranked 42nd among edge rushers, and that was the best they've had since Quentin Kobles in 2013. When Cobles had 44, and that was also uh, 42nd. So that's how awful they've been at edge with the pass rush. So they are in no place uh, to give a, a significant portion of their cap to a guy in Jenkins who didn't even lead their terrible edge group in pressures this past season and yes he did miss some time but uh, even his pressure rate wasn't all that good he's just a very average player and you know like you said this is a guy who you know a good team would just happily move on from for a comp pick but a bad team you know you do put yourself in that kind of position where it's like you know he's a, not a great player but still someone who could come in and you know start for us but the jets really have to be smart here and hopefully douglas is because this isn't his guy that he drafted uh and just realize that this is a position where they have to make a big move and start really kind of fixing what's been a major issue at a very important spot for a very long time and not invest a lot of money in an average at best player who you know provides decent run defense but you have that with kyle phillips and Terrell Basham, those two guys are plenty good against the run. And, you know, Kyle Phillips is not as good as a pass rusher as Jenkins, but uh, both those guys are plenty good, uh, as good as he is in the run. Uh, and in the passing game, Basham is better than uh, Jenkins this past season. So there's you're just not losing anything with Jordan Jenkins. I would be totally fine with letting him go unless he gets a, you know, backup quality level deal, which he's probably not going to get because he is a decent, you know, role playing starter as an edge setting run defender. But uh, they should move on from him and they should be in the edge market, which does have uh, some really good names at the top. You have Dante Fowler, you have Everson Griffin, There are a f- and obviously Shaq Barrett at the top. Barrett was, uh, he had 81 pressures. That was the fourth most among edge. Uh, and, and, you know, sack totals can be misleading. Barrett led the league in sacks, but in this case, it's not. He was really good. So uh, Fowler is an interesting one because last season I was against him because he was a guy who, uh, you know, was kind of like a fake good player in a way because, you know, he made some plays in the playoffs. He had some strip sacks. He had the draft pedigree, but he didn't have the pressure numbers to back it up. But this year he actually broke out and that makes you worried because it could be a contract year. But at the same time, this is a guy who missed the star of his career, was traded last year. Uh, and, you know, maybe he's just taken some time to get going. But Fowler was legitimately very good this past season. So I think it makes sense for the Jets to, tr- uh, to go after him. Uh, there are a few other good names. If they can get in on Barrett, then you know I don't think they will be in on him. But you know he's definitely worth going after. But uh, there are a few good names up there in the edge market. Griffin is another good one to go after. Uh, a guy who I do think they should stay away from is Clowney. He's just not good enough in the passing game. He's That's, very that average. Has, that is
1: Mike McCagnon written all over it.
0: Yeah, he's just too average. In the, <laughs> and also McCagnon was there in Houston when they drafted him, but um. Uh, Yeah, he's just too average in the passing game, but Ngakwe is a good one to go after. Uh, He had a down year this past season, um, but his pass rushing production the past two years before that was really good. So, you know, maybe his price goes down a little bit, but because of uh, his production last year and the Jaguars could tag him as well. So you might have to trade for him. That would make him less attractive, but uh, there are a lot of solid options out, uh, out there. You could go with Robert Quinn. Uh, He is more of a, you know, cheaper, you know, he's a little bit up there in age, more of a situational guy. Judon had a really good season, you know, if you want to get another Raven to pair with CJ Mosley. So there are some good options out there. I think Marcus and we talked about this before. Marcus Golden is a guy who I think you should avoid. He kind of had a breakout year out of nowhere and didn't really have the grades and the pressure to. um, uh, Although he did put up decent pressure, he didn't really play as, as good of an overall game. Uh, in terms of run defense as well, to match his 10 sacks. So uh, I think Dante Fowler, all things considered, is a great target. Uh, And Ed should be number two after offensive line, because they've been so, so bad there for so long in terms of the pass rush. And there are some good targets this year. Mario Addison is another good name. Uh, An under the radar guy with a very good pressure rate who's up there in age but can still play so there are some options i think they really should be active in edge after offensive line edge is the second place uh, to go to because that is the converse of the offensive line and they as bad as they've been up front on the offensive side it's been the same thing with the defense they've really got to help out uh, before they even start thinking about any cornerbacks uh, or anything like that in the secondary they've you've got to create pressure because that just opens up so much for your defense uh, to be able to create pressure with the four-man rush. So, And that's something the Jets have not been able to do for a long time. So, uh, there's a lot of good options. I think they will be aggressive there. I would definitely keep an eye on Fowler, and I think he makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And Connor Hughes has reported that the Jets are interested in it. And if he shakes free from the Rams, which I think is a realistic possibility, given that their, their cap situation, the fact that they still have to play Jalen Ramsey, I think you're right. I think he does shake free, and I think the Jets will be heavily in on him. And I think he, as far as the Jets' big-ticket free agents, I think you're going to see either Tooney Glasgow um, and then uh, a big-time edge rusher. So if I had to make my prediction, I think they go with Glasgow and Fowler. And those are your two big big-ticket guys, and then you're looking at the, the value guys uh, for the rest of free agency. Lastly, let's go to defensive backs. Um, we're not going to touch on safeties because I don't think the jets will do much there. They could bring in some depth pieces, uh, maybe a target in the draft or whatever, but may and Adams are, are among the best safety duos in the league. Um, so I think the jet, I think Joe Douglas will ignore that, uh, for the time being, but the cornerback position is a completely different story. Um, I mean, right now that the corners on the jets roster are pretty putrid, um, They don't even have uh, Brian Poole, who was their best corner uh, on the roster last year. He's not even officially on the team for next year. He still has to be re-signed as their nickelback. I do expect the Jets to try to do that. If not, there are some interesting options in free agency, but I do believe that the Jets will ultimately bring back Brian Poole. Bless Austin, flashed a lot last year, but I don't think you want to peg him in as a starter. Preferably, I think you just, you know, he's a guy you're excited about and could develop into a, a... starting cornerback in this league, but I don't, I don't make the mistake of just pegging him in as a starter and then, you know, get caught with your pants down when the season starts. And if he's not as good, um, because Greg Williams did switch to playing a lot more cover three last year to kind of make up for some cornerback deficiencies. If we're watching bless play more man to man, you know, who knows what could happen. And you have to remember he did get benched at the end of the year after one bad play, uh, in week 16. So as far as the corners go, I think this is where Michael and I both agree that the Jets should not go big. After getting burned by, by Tremaine Johnson and, and Darrell Revis to a lesser extent, I think this is a position that is just so volatile year to year. You'll have a guy that can dominate one year and be bad the next year. It's just so hard to be consistently good. So I think the Jets go with, with two free agent corners that are going to be Again, those value guys, those guys they're projecting uh, to play well, maybe former first-rounders or, or young guys they, they project to go well. A guy that makes a lot of sense that I know a lot of people are talking about, the Green Goblin, Jalen Mills, will bring a lot of swagger to this, this the, the secondary unit, not that it doesn't already have it with Jamal Adams and Marcus May. He's friends with Jamal Adams. Um, he was around when – Joe Douglas was around when, when the Eagles took him, and he's flashed. I mean, he's he's a risky – uh, corner. He takes chances. He goes for the ball. He does get burned sometimes. He struggles with injuries. But he has flashed. And when he's on the field, uh, the Eagles secondary performed a lot better. So he's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense uh, for the Jets to bring in. And then I think they'll target another guy, maybe a guy like Jimmy Smith, who, again, has experience with Joe Douglas. They could go Xavier Rhodes, Mackenzie Alexander, Prince of Mukamara, somebody like that. But I think they're going to go with with two mid-tier kind of uh, Bradley Roby's another guy, just two guys like that to, to add to this cornerback, uh, unit and then maybe draft another guy. And then I think you're looking at, at a solid cornerback group that could potentially be a very good cornerback group. And then at the very worst, be just an average starting, uh, an average cornerback group. I also think they'll bring back Arthur Millette and Maurice Kennedy, but, uh, Michael, kind of your thoughts on the cornerback position and free agency.
0: So, obviously, it all starts with Brian Poole for the Jets. He was, and, and, you know, Poole last season is the definition of how you win free agency. A guy who uh, had a couple down years in Atlanta, but was a raw guy with only three years of experience there. Had a really good rookie season, uh, so he'd flash elite potential. But for some reason, uh, because even with his down years, the fact that the Jets got him as cheap as they did uh, was a great value. And he just gave them the absolute best bang for their buck that you could ask for. He was the best slot corner in football, gave up the fewest yards per cover snap out of the slot in the league. And among all cornerbacks, only Richard Sherman had him beat in terms of yards per cover snap. So he was amazing last season uh, and bringing him back is a top priority. But uh, I think you do have to be a little bit cautious with him because the odds that he replicates that are, Not very good. He could still be good next season or above average, but uh, corner, especially slot corner, is so volatile. It's like the most. Uh, it's really the hardest position in the league to find consistency. That's why it's so tough to invest money to anybody at that position who hasn't shown you really good consistency. But the thing is, you're not going to find a better option in the slot. it's It's a very important position in the NFL uh, with how value uh, with just how many routes are run out of the slot now, you know, teams are putting so many receivers out wide, moving them all over the place. You need someone who could defend from the inside. and Poole did it really well last season and played against some really good, Uh, slot receivers throughout the season played against Edelman twice played against Tyler Boyd some of the best slot receivers in the game Uh, two of them right there so he had a phenomenal season by all means it's unlikely he replicates it but the Jets also have too many holes to just open that up uh, as another weakness and you know maybe in with Greg Williams defense this is just the fit that is going to work for him and allow him to do that but uh, bring him back is a top priority I would Uh, I mean obviously there's an unrealistic price for just about any player uh, but I think you they definitely should be and will be very aggressive uh, in bringing pool back but then beyond that you look at the outside cornerback spots you have bless Austin uh, a guy who I'm really confident in I think that his film uh, both his film and his analytics uh, really kind of give him uh, legitimate potential to be a starter obviously he's going to have to kind of win Greg Williams's trust back after the finish to last season, benched for the Buffalo game in the second half against Pittsburgh after that uh, terrible mistake against the Steelers. But I like what he showed. He's going to be in that competition. But then you you got to add some bodies outside of him. Jermaine Johnson is rightfully gone. Good riddance to him. Uh, but you have Marcus uh, Maurice Kennedy and um, Arthur Mallet. Those two guys put, came out of nowhere and played decently down the stretch. Uh, so I think it's worth bringing those two guys back. I would expect them uh, to bring them back as well because they just seem to be a decent fit there. Uh, and then beyond that, I think I'm kind with you. I think that they're going to make uh, a lower, a kind of buy low option, similar to Brian Poole last season. Like you said, Jalen Mills, uh, another Eagles guy who we can mention as uh, being, having been there with Douglas, a connection there. Uh, Mills did not play well last season and and neither did Ronald Darby. Those Eagles cornerbacks really struggled and injuries are a big part of it with those guys but you know that's what you're looking for at cornerback it's just so it's just so hard to find consistency there that you kind of want to just stay as cheap as possible and uh, kind of bet on talent and see if you can get something uh, like you did with the pool last season but all the way at the top I'm just a big fan uh, of going for Byron Jones and not as a first tier priority because just the trenches are so much more important and you know, it's hard for a cornerback to provide value in the NFL today uh, if you don't have a pass rush because there's just uh, there's just not that much you can do anymore uh, playing man to man coverage in this league, the rules and everything. So it's hard for a cornerback to make much of an impact. If, uh, you know, he has to cover all day because the pass rush isn't good enough, every cornerback's going to get beat at some point uh, with the way the rules are now. But, you know, if they can kind of figure out pass rush, and uh, I think Byron Jones makes sense because he's. Uh, He's one of the few guys at cornerback who has the consistency to match uh, to make him worth a big deal. He's been elite the past two seasons. Uh, He played safety from 2016 to 2017, but in 2015 when he played corner, he was really good. That was his rookie season, and the past two seasons just across the board, yards per cover snap, uh, yards per target. His overall grades at PFF have been very good. Uh, So he has the consistency and the durability, uh, the complete package of a guy who would be worth That deal. Now, the reports that they are after James Bradbury, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, That's a perfect example of a Tremaine Johnson caliber signing, a guy who's a starter, who's okay, I guess, but his numbers are not even close to being worth the big deal he'll probably get, that $50 million a year range. That's a huge, uh, very Tremaine Johnson esque uh, kind of move if they went with Bradbury. But uh, Byron Jones, I think, if they did, and I don't think they will be after him, but I think. Uh, He's just a guy who makes sense because I think he's legitimately elite based on his players. So I think that, uh, you know, even though it's not a top priority because he can't make much of an impact without uh, the pressure, which which the Jets do not have and probably will not be getting if they signed him uh, to a huge deal. I just think with Jones, it does make sense uh, because he's consistent enough to where you feel you'll be getting your money's worth. But I don't see them going that route. I think, like you said, it's going to be by low like Trey Wayne's. uh, Maybe you can even go a little bit higher. Prince of Mucamara, who's still really good even though he's into his 30s so uh, I think you're going to see Mallette and Kennedy brought back and then like you said probably a buy low option or two and then I think there's really going to be a lot of competition there uh, between you know if they bring back Mallette and Kennedy and then bless Austin as well plus whoever else they add but outside cornerback I don't see anything too big mostly just bringing back the incumbents and then hopefully uh, then maybe adding A, uh, you know, a tryout guy or two kind of similar to Brian Poole last season.
1: Yeah, I I agree. So let's do the same as we did for the offense. Let's give our official predictions. I'll start again. Defensive line. Yeah, I think I'll I'll leave it for now that that they don't sign anybody. I could, I could see maybe a depth guy that, you know, some scout or some Joe Douglas likes or whatever, but right now I said they won't, they'll ignore defensive line as it's a position of strength on the roster inside linebacker. I think they'll, uh, let Hewitt walk, um, Keep uh, William Sim, bring back Burgess, uh, and solidify that unit. As far as edge, yeah, I I actually do think the Jets will sign Dante Fowler this offseason. I I do think that uh, he just makes a lot of sense. He's exactly what the Jets are looking for. Is it a little concerning that he finally turned it on in the contract year? Yeah. But as you said, he's a guy that's moved around, struggled with injury issues, and still did have some flashes. I I think he, at his floor, I think he's still better than anything the Jets have had um, in a long time. And at his ceiling... Uh, you know, he could take this defense to the complete next level. Um, So I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, and, and then I think they, they won't bring back Jordan Jenkins. They'll probably draft another guy to pair with Fowler, um, but start maybe Basham or or uh, Copeland or somebody on the other side, just another vet. And then, yeah, on the corners, I go, I'm going to go two bargain bin guys. I'm going to say Jalen Mills. He just makes a lot of sense as one of them. And then as far as, you know, if I had to give one guy, but it really, you could pick him out of a hat out of all those guys we listed. I'll go Trey Waynes and Jalen Mills, just two guys to bring in. Uh, if Pool gets a little pricey, I could see them maybe only being able to bring in one of them and then having to address the other need in the draft. And so then you're looking at a situation where it's, you know, Mills, uh, you're the rookie you drafted, uh, Poole and and Bless Austin, and then you have Kennedy and, and, and uh, Mallette. But that could be dicey, so that's why I think they'll try to double down to the position's But uh, Michael, your thoughts on the defensive free agency before we uh, we wrap up? I think I'm pretty much in
0: step with you. I think a cornerback, Trey Waynes, is definitely a name that uh, there's been kind of some rumors surrounding him, and he fits the bill of that kind of uh, buy low, you know, bank on the upside without... And man uh, coverage. Yeah, that as well. You do need a guy who could uh, give them something in man coverage, because that is something they did lack down the stretch last season, because even when these corners were playing well, it was... A lot of three deep just playing them off the ball, kind of masking them. Um, They did well in that role, but it adds value to have guys who can play man to man. It just you know ups the upside of potentially giving you more opportunities to make plays, interceptions, pass breakups. And then also just in terms of the quarterback, just having uh, making his reads more difficult if you have corners who can do both. So I think Wayne's makes sense, even though he hasn't. Uh, Put up the best numbers. They've been all that great. He's a good buy-low option. Uh, And I do see Millett and Kennedy coming back as well. And then throughout the rest of the defense, I see Jordan Jenkins. I don't think they'll re-sign him, really. Uh, Even barring if they they don't make a big edge move, I don't think he'll be back. Uh, But I agree with you. I think Fowler is a pretty likely target for them. I think that's going to be their big move on the defensive side of the ball. And if they don't get Fowler, there's not really another name. Uh, There are some solid names, but I just at least based on what we've seen so far, they haven't been linked uh, to too many other names. But (laughs) I think I do think that uh, Fowler is a guy that they will be going after and have a pretty decent chance at getting defensive line. Nothing to talk about. And at linebacker, I think uh, I think Burgess will be back. I think Neville Hewitt will leave. But, you know, it could be the other way around. I do see at least one of those two guys coming back and I think they're going to stick with Avery Williamson.
1: Uh, well, th- there you have it, um, folks. Let's hope um, that that free agency is next week, um, just so we have something to look forward to. Um, and let's hope that Joe Douglas can do as good of a job as Michael and I just did. I- I'm just kidding. Who who knows? We could we could listen to this podcast a year from now and realize what idiots we were. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, I think they'll they'll sign a backup quarterback. They'll they'll bring in a a vet running back. Um, they'll hopefully bring back Anderson. If not, they'll. You know, maybe add a receiver or two in, in free agency, and then uh, I think offensive line is where you're going to see the most activity. They're going to bring in. I I think they'll bring in one of either Glasgow or Tooney as that blue chip offensive lineman to just really set the tone for their unit. And then I think you're looking at you know two to three other just kind of that in that second tier. You mentioned Eric Flowers is I, you could mention. Maybe as a tier three type of guy, but he's interesting. I think the I think the Jets are going to take a page out of the Bills playbook last year, as they signed a lot of those guys. Um, you know, Spencer Long was one of them, who Jets fans don't like, but they ended up having great depth. And you know, when you get into November, December football, that really pays off when when you're getting into your second and third stringers on that offensive line um, position. But yeah, I think the guys that we mentioned are guys that we really th- that I really think the Jets will ta- target: Vitai Peters, Van Roten, Glasgow, Tooney. Flowers, guys like that. And then again, yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, I think they'll definitely sign an rusher. Fowler makes a lot of sense if he makes it to free agency. Um, and then, yeah, I think you're, you're going to see two um, of those uh, those corners they'll, they'll take a, a chance on and hopefully uh, bringing back Brian Poole. Uh, if that was the case for the Jets, I'd be very, very, very happy uh, with their free agency uh, and heading into the draft because it just frees you up to take uh, a, hopefully a blue chip offensive lineman with that 11 spot. Then maybe an explosive receiver Um, uh, in the second round. uh, You know, guys like uh, K.J. Hamler, Brandon Ayuk, uh, uh, T. Higgins, not really an explosive guy. But there's a lot of options um, for the Jets in round two. I think that's where they'll address receiver first. Then round three, you have two picks, you know, corner, outside linebacker. Uh, another receiver, who knows? Just it would set the Jets up a lot better than they have been in years past. And as I said at the start of the hour, uh, I'm very confident in Joe Douglas. And, and, you know, I haven't necessarily been so confident in Mike McCagnin or John Edzik. Um, the thing is, the interesting thing about Mike McCagnin before we close uh, is, you know, anytime you have a new GM, he has to pay for the sins of the GM before him. Uh, but I will say Mike McCagnin is kind of the, the perfect GM to replace in some sense because he didn't leave the Jets in Capel, and he acquired a lot of blue chip players uh, for Joe Douglas um, to inherit, like Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold and whatnot. While Michael Cagnan wasn't a great GM, he wasn't the worst GM to, to replace. Um, and I really do think that Joe Douglas can fix this roster, not completely, not have him in a Super Bowl in one offseason, but I really think that Joe Douglas, if he plays his card right, cards right, could have the Jets looking at you know a, a plus five hundred season um, depending on the coaching, um, but if not, uh, I'm very excited for the direction of the franchise. And again, you can follow us at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can follow myself at Ben W Blessington. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. You can listen to this podcast iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We should be there. Just search Cool Your Jets. Uh, And Michael, I'll just I'll flip it over to you to plug uh, JetX because you're a little bit more well-versed in in, uh, the the deals that, that JetX is offering right now.
0: Yeah, definitely subscribe to JetX. We are still offering uh, the first month free, so uh, CYJ Pod is going to be on there for free. Uh, we'll be posting it in article form on the website if you want to check it out there. But for now, it'll still be on the same platforms that uh, we have been uh, putting it out over the past few months since we started out. Uh, but over the next few weeks, we'll probably be moving over uh, to some new platforms. We'll keep you guys updated with that. But this podcast will stay Uh, completely free but in terms of free you can still get a first your first month free uh, at jets x factor and believe me i've been putting so much work into this for so many months i'm really proud of uh, what we've been able to build i'm really excited to bring cool your jets into that now uh, and it's really turning into what i think is uh just the best absolute best place to get uh jets content and that and just in the most realistic sense uh just with so the many different things that we offer player profiles my sam darnold grades uh bring cool your jets on now and just uh our expertise with analytics and film that uh no other place really comes close to matching so definitely subscribe uh to jets x uh to jets x factor
1: All right. Well, there you have it. Um, Again, let's hope that free agency happens next week, because if not, I think we'll all lose our minds um, with no sports to watch or anything. Um, And yeah, I mean, we do have the XFL. We do have the XFL. Well, no, I think the XFL just just cancel for the rest of the season. Yeah. So there's literally nothing. So um, if if, I I guess guess we can just go cry now in our closet. That that there's that option too. Um, you know, I recommend uh, if, if you haven't seen uh, the best show of all time, The Sopranos. Uh, I just recommended it to to my friend who now has nothing to do, uh, and he started it and he loves it. I, I would imagine most people have seen The Sopranos, but That's especially if they don't cancel the internet. That. Michael, have you seen The Sopranos? I have not yet. Oh my God. Okay. Well, there's your entertainment.
0: I know everyone. No one wants to subscribe to anything now. They all just close this yeah, out. And yeah. Immediately.
1: Uh, unsubscribe. I'd unsubscribe. <laughs> Jesus. Just watch the first season and then, then text me and then you'll see why it's the best show of all time. Um, but yeah, let's hope it happens next week. If not, uh, we'll still have content um, for next week. Uh, and regardless, it's going to happen at some point. So let's hope Joe Douglas can stick the landing. It's a very important free agency for him. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done. Well, hopefully we outlined kind of what we think the Jets will do um, for you. So, anyways, have a good week. Everybody stay healthy. It's obviously a scary time right now, but just stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, and let's hope we have some football news to look forward to we'll next week. That's a jet touchdown. Bucks it to Bell. And right beyond Bell, takes it for the touchdown.
0: Right on the Jets, he's gonna go all the way, James Crowder. No, it's intercepted by Mosley. He's gonna score.